1: The Late Lunch, brought to you by Blackstone Motors' summer sales event. Get low as can be, APR, zero deposit and finance arranged within four hours. There's never been a better time to get to Blackstone Motors, Dundalk, Drogheda or Cabin. You're very welcome to Friday Afternoon's
2: Late Lunch on LMFM Radio Many guests for you to meet this afternoon, subjects to cover and we will be looking ahead to the weekend sport with Leon Blanche as usual after three o'clock. And it's with sport and Gaelic games we're starting today. As you know, the GAA are ruminating over their football competition structures at national level. Proposals are to be considered shortly with a view to having the new format in place for next season. My first guest today has come up with his own proposals which he believes will satisfy both club and county. Shane Mangan is a sports scientist who has worked with the Kildare Senior Football Team. He's an Associate Lecturer at the Technological University in Dublin and he's originally from Oldcastle in County Mead and he's in the hot seat on late lunch this afternoon. Shane, you're very welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Sherry. Thank you for joining me. First off, well done to you, because your thoughts have really provoked a lot of debate. You've seen that yourself yeah. since you've published them in, in recent days. So let's get straight to the start of the, uh, of the uh, proposals here and let's look at it in terms of a calendar year. So January, traditionally, you had born Cups, McKenna Cups, yeah. you know, the, the, the warm-up competitions as such. You just see January really as a pre-season, that's it.
3: Yeah, yeah. I suppose at the minute there's um, a lot of stuff going on in January with the with the uh, O'Byrne Cups and the likes of that but then also there's college uh, games yes. going on at the same time. It can be very difficult for the younger lads that are sort of breaking onto teams but as well it takes away from I suppose the, the pre-season training the teams need to build up that injury resistance mm. um, so you're going straight in from games there. They could have two in a week maybe in the, in the likes of the O'Byrne Cup playing midweek games and then the league is not too far around the corner as well so I suppose Mm. it's it's to give players time to you know they're not straight into playing games after christmas and to give them a chance Okay that sort of so break.
2: you'd park those subsidiary yeah. competitions and I'm sure there's another way of looking at them and maybe getting them all played in a uh, in some other fashion or time. So look, January is the they getting ready getting prepared for the real competition which begins with the National Football League in February and March you're saying mm-hmm. you don't see a change there you're happy with the with as it is four groups of 8 in the, in that format.
3: Yeah, like uh, at the minute that's the most competitive uh, games that you'll watch like um, like you'll see across all the divisions it's going to be competitive games uh, the one thing I'd, I'd advocate there is removing the finals from it so the league finals because at the end of the day it's a league um, so just the team who should have the most points at the end should win that you know? I
2: think that is so logical Shane yeah. so the top team in the league are, are the champions It's as yeah. simple as that you don't need a playoff yeah. to, to decide who wins the league and you'd play those you say seven games in eight weeks you know the way at times they break weeks and things yeah, like yeah. that you just go straight through it really
3: yeah well I think in the current format it's its seven and eight weeks anyway you get one week break or maybe there's two weeks breaks mm. in it altogether. but yeah it's, it's, it's very close close together anyway. and
2: promotion relegation to stay as it is as yeah, well. Yeah,
3: exact same, yeah. No yeah. change there. No.
2: But compacted into February March, 7 games in 8 weeks and no finals. Now, this is one that's a sticky one with yeah. a lot of GAA people, the provincial championships yeah. that are used, uh, you know, really as a part of the overall championship at, at, at the moment. You'd separate them entirely. You want to dedicate the month of April to the provincials, but there's quite
3: a significant change here. Tell us about it. Yeah, I suppose um, I originally thought of cutting out the provincials altogether, but there seems to be... Um Sort of a lot of people against that, so trying to you're trying to compromise there with, with all sets. So, um, what I was proposing is that the the four um, highest placed counties from each province in the league uh, would qualify for uh, two provincial semi finals in each in each province. Um, so, say for instance, this year in Division One, um, say Tyrone and Donegal are in there, so there are two. Cavan got relegated. So, caveat I have in that is that if you get relegated from a league then you can't be straight into the semi-final yes um so then that, that opens the door then for teams in the divisions below. So maybe this year the likes of Armagh in Division 2 would have qualified. Or if you look in Leinster, if the same format was there, like Leash, uh, who won Division 3, they would have been uh, the fourth-placed uh, team to in Two would we'll get in there. So it's yeah.
2: important to say if you are relegated, which makes sense as well, yeah. you can't you know, compete for uh, a competition or a trophy there. So I, I see what you're saying there. Mm. So the four highest-placed teams starting in Division 1 and going down bar the relegated sides four in each province go in and they play semi-finals and finals and that would happen in the month of
3: April yeah exactly
2: so then we're set fair to go with the championships and interesting with yourself here you say that the championships can actually be
3: played in the months of June and July in their entirety yeah so I suppose a key thing as well is trying to link it into the league, mm. um, to make sure that you know everyone is putting you know the same emphasis on the league because we get so many so many competitive games in that. But then yeah, um, so what I, what I was thinking then is breaking the championship into eight groups of four, so you'd have one team from each each division uh, competing in each group, and uh, that way like you're you're given the I suppose weaker teams, uh a Game against a higher ranked team, you know, you're mm. not going to get better if you're only playing teams of your own standard the whole the year, so you need that sort of mm. exposure. And then again, to make it more competitive, I have suggested that the so you, it's, it's in a group of four, so you have three games. Um, so the, the two the division three and division four teams would have two home games, and the top two division teams that only have one home game, yeah, to give so them so some okay. type yeah, of a, yeah. an assist there, trying to right? even up, I suppose, yeah. a bit, yeah, yeah, and then from that. Um, After the group games are played, um, the top two would go through to an A championship and then the bottom two would go through to a B championship. So you'd be left with 16 on either side of the draw then.
2: And then it's straight knockout from there, 16-8-4-2. And you end up with, uh, which it's looking like it's going to happen anyway, there's going to be an A and B championship at least in the new proposals that they're considering. So you'd have two All-Ireland finals on the same weekend...
3: Yeah, same weekend. You'd probably go Saturday, Sunday, so B be on Saturday and A be on Sunday. And, you know, you can pair them up with whatever the minor or whatever. Whatever's yes. on Yes. Either, but um, I think it would be like a... I know, um, <coughs> like, team straight away the thoughts of just being in an A and a B championship and if teams feel that they're going to be pushed into a B championship straight off the bat they're not they're less likely to go through with it because they want a chance at the big prize so i suppose if you're giving teams the chance of getting into the A championship mm. then at least if they don't make it then they have that other route yes um, so it it would mean a minimum four four championship games for every team
2: okay and and which is probably better than the back door for a lot of counties because you're guaranteed those matches here's the thing how does the um uh, the gradings work there again you base those uh, division 1 teams the division back to the leagues again at yeah. the seeded 1 division 2 teams seeded 2 3 and 4 is that the way it's done yeah and
3: it'd be linked in so if you get promoted that year then you'd be into the the, the higher division one ahead yeah, okay, exactly. and you get a higher seeding with that yeah, so. so it's yeah. based
2: on the leagues in the year the championships uh, format and seedings follow on from yeah, that yeah okay Fair enough. June and July, I suppose yeah. for GA people, September is, you know, the holy grail, although they've moved now they've into moved, August,
3: yeah, yeah. why not move July and it would be all wrapped up by the end of July? Yeah, yeah. Like, um, yeah, I suppose the consideration there is the club players really, because you mm. don't, like, at the minute there's big gaps and, you know, we've mentioned it already just off air about the the, mead, the gap in the mead Championship now yes. and between the end of the league and the Championship, so... Um, in this format, uh, we'd have all championships starting off in August. Um, so at least club players know then that when they're going to That's be their season. Playing. Yeah, yeah. Because that's a big part of this in your consideration.
2: You are really saying, yes, we have these national competitions and the wonderful county sides or whatever, but yeah. the club game is so vital. Yeah, absolutely. To the
3: yeah, yeah. But ninety-five percent of all players are playing in the club game. You know that there's probably five percent to get to play in the county, and then of course they'll play the club mm. as well. Mm. Um, so yeah, I it's, it's, suppose it's a consideration for mostly the club players as well because you, you don't want to have long layoffs. Um, you want to have want to be able to book your holidays. You know because you're, you're putting in near enough the same amount of commitment as inter-county players, yes. but you probably don't get the same respect as inter-county mm. players. Would. And, and I know it myself,
2: and I talk to the lads, you're ticking over with your club side, really not playing football, waiting for the county scene to be wrapped up yeah. and those players to come back into your ranks. there would be no controversy here. there would be no not having county players or otherwise. They'd be in. They'd yeah. all be
3: part of it. Yeah, I suppose the thing maybe the... Probably the, the negative where you might get a bit of blowback on that would be that you're going to be missing county players for the league. So mm. maybe for the likes of league finals and stuff like that. Maybe, it, I suppose it depends because you could, so in the form that I've proposed, like the, the championship's going to be finished by the end of July. Mm. But basically it's only going to be the semi-finalists and finalists that are in it at the start of July. So by the end of June, yes. most most players are going to be out of the championship yeah. anyway. So, yeah, but look at
2: yeah. At least it's a definite. You know the club
3: scene begins in August and away it goes. So each of the counties
2: then play through their championships and then following on from that then straight away in the same calendar year
3: you would have the All-Ireland Club Championships. Yeah, yeah. So that's sort of, I think that's the approach they're trying to take now anyway Mm. in fairness to the GA, You know, they've moved... uh the All-Ireland semi-finals and finals to January and I think the plan is for next year then to bring them back into, into the, the same year, year. Yeah, yeah. so it it'd feed into that again it makes sense like there's there is long layoffs for teams if they if they do get successful and you know then as well for those players like you see some of the Currifin players there this year and would have missed most of the league with Galway um, so it's doing players no favours trying to balance between two different teams mm. so at least if it's tied up at the end of December and you know you can have your break in January for those players that are successful enough yes. to go that far and then you go away
2: again You know I've spoken in the past to Colin O'Rourke extensively yeah. on this matter as well and he has views he'd he he he'd scrap the Provincials altogether he goes along your format in the Championship he's for f- yeah. f- for sure there um, it's a, a big ask of a lot of GAA people you know tradition is a huge thing within the organisation Provincial Championships are regarded highly yeah
3: yeah. like i think it it, it differs between uh, provinces i suppose like in leinster or in a situation where what, dublin have won nine in the last 10 or something like that so just give
2: them the cup and say look it. there yeah, you go
3: like uh, i've been to a lot of, a lot of leinster championships this ga- uh, games this year like i was down watching meet and Carlow and Loud in Dublin that day you know Loud were hammered and like um, it's it's no it's no fun for those players getting hammered um but there seems to be a bit of a an apathy, I suppose, in the Leinster Championship. So even the likes of Kildare and Mead were both beaten by 15 or 16 points mm. by Dublin and they're, mm. you know, the closest rivals to them. To them, yeah. So I suppose it is quite disheartening for them. But then again, if you look at Ulster, then, you know, it's, it's a competitive championship and they're probably less likely wanting to, to scrap it. So that's why I've just suggested that in in April then that you could sort of run off semi-finals That and it finals. is there so, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah You're taking it out of the championship structure but it is there What do you think of this guy and what he's saying Shane Mangan this afternoon Have you a view on this you, you, You've you, heard it's quite clear and concise what he's come up with If you have a comment we'd love to hear from you on Late Lunch oh eight six eighteen hundred six five eight WhatsApp or text you can call in on 1850 715 or respond across all the social media platforms as well there's an interesting comment that's come in Shane I'll just read it to you um, I'd also say Jerry, in these groups of four to make sure that the top two seeds play each other first so as not to have a potential dead rubber
3: uh, with, with both going through that's a, that's a good point as well isn't it yeah it's a very good point and it's, it's something I think the, the Dublin Championship have moved towards this year so they work in a similar format so there's a group of four um, so two teams will play each other in the first round and then the two uh, winners will play each other and two losers will play each other mm. the next round so then it avoids those sort of dead rubbers. so mm. yeah that's, that's the thing you're trying to avoid at the end of the day and Now
2: what about the rules of the game because you're involved you're involved deeply with the game yourself with Kildare till yeah. recently till they bowed out of the championship working on the science and analysis end with them as well you with the Mead ladies now as well are you yeah? Yeah
3: I'm doing video analysis Okay now,
2: all that type of yeah, thing yeah. and you watch you know what I'm talking about like Harling is the star of the show in the Gaelic stable in the GA game stable yeah. now now, football, unfortunately, has become take it or leave it. Look at the attendances at some of the big games. People are just turning away. What can be done? Have you any thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, I suppose like the thing is going to fuel it is more competitive games. Like I know this year they've trialled a lot of uh, rule changes in the league and in the, the, likes of the pre-season tournaments and some of them were were okay like the likes of the the advanced mark and stuff I think uh, improved the high field and then the attacking third but then the likes of the the hand pass rule didn't go down well at all so um, th- what it was leading to was teams becoming more defensive and stuff like this and they were just sitting back and waiting until they were on that third hand pass and then. Then they'll try and wait for a mistake, Um, but yeah, like the the recently in the last couple of weeks they've been talking about uh, banning the kick back to the goalkeeper or pass back to the goalkeeper from a kick out. So again, that that might might make more sense. You know, it's going to promote more attacking play. Um, as long as they don't ban it from a pass back to the keeper from play, because if you have a corner back and they're stuck in the corner, and yes. you want them to keeper to be an option, mm. or it might take away like the the, the leash goalkeeper um, who would come out to field a lot. Like it might negate them if you if you cut off the mm. pass from play.
2: I have to say, I enjoyed me then Claire. Yeah, a high scoring game. Great fielding, long kicking—the points that Claire picked off at times, and, and the scores made, God as well—they were wonderful. But this defensive thing—and when you watch a goalkeeper now, yeah. they can't kick a ball out. They won't kick
3: a ball out to be competed for in the centre of the field at all. Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, I suppose it's it's a fear of, of teams, you know. That, uh, now we have the data, so you know if you get a if you get possession from a kick out. More than the the opposition gets to kick out like you have a better chance of winning the game. So that that's why teams are thinking that they're, they're trying to retain onto the, onto the ball. If you kick the ball longer, then there's more risk of losing the, losing the ball. But a, a lot of teams would use long kick out effectively, like the likes of Tyrone and Donegal uh, are really good at it, and they'll work off. It's not just kicking the ball between two lads, you know. They'll work on uh, different strategies of movement yes. out the field. So I, I suppose teams that. have smarter sort of setups or uh, good setups are are nearly better off you know they can mix it up a bit more that sort of way Mm.
2: you you being involved and watching it week in week out and this analysis and all the signs that goes with it now where do you stand on the Dublin debate the great debate split them up they're too strong as they are what do you say about that
3: yeah it's a difficult one really like um I, some of my research um from my own, for my master's and PhD, I would have been looking at um the likes of funding that certain teams are getting and, and how that uh, equates. Um like I suppose it's gotten to a point where the setup in Dublin is top class, like it's brilliant and I, I know people are saying to maybe to so they're they're obviously they're getting extra funding and it helps in their games promotion and stuff like that, but um I suppose the key thing is how can other counties bridge that gap so again following the same sort of route so getting in GPOs and uh, in the club teams and and working that sort of setup but um I suppose people you need you need money to fund that um but it, at the end of the day it's not all about money like the the club football in Dublin is really strong um it's very competitive like a, I I'd work with um with Ballybodens Endenders there and like you know they're nearly operating at an inter county level um, we we played uh london in in earlier in the year and i think there's in it at the end of the game like and they they've a lot of a lot of top class players so it's like that in a lot of teams and club teams in dublin like maybe division 1 teams in mead would probably struggle in division 1 to to stay mm. up in dublin so so in other words they've set the bar it's up to everybody else to come up to that bar yeah and i, I suppose it's it's probably following the path with it that they've taken as well. So using the blueprint that they've used now, again, that takes money as well to put in those coaching structures. But again, Dublin play smarter than a lot of teams as well. They put a lot of time into analysis and opposition analysis and stuff like that. And like, if you have a really, if you have a really smart group, like a good group of players and smart coaches behind it and, you need you need everything going 100% to get, to get that close to them. That's just the bar that they've set.
2: And unfortunately, some counties are miles and miles behind them, and that is just the reality of it. Before we finish up, just one thing. Your proposals are interesting, and they're thought-provoking, and they've started a debate, and lots of people have views as well on it. Do you think, will the GAA move far enough, or may this be a process of steps that they'll move one this time, and maybe look at it again.
3: Yeah, it's it's probably going to be like that like judging from the proposals that the, the two proposals that they've just put out in the media there a couple of weeks ago um there, there doesn't seem to be much change. A lot of people aren't happy with that either so you know they they've they've opened up the the lines to people externally submitting their proposals so I've sent my proposal in during the week into them so Mm. see does anything come off that or can you you try and start that discussion like absolutely
2: and I encourage them to look at it and others as well and then come to a a conclusion but anyway we're going to watch this space with interest as the autumn uh, comes in and they debate this and the changes are made. Shane, well done to you. Thank you for joining us on Late Lunch today to talk through your proposals. Really do appreciate it. And uh, good luck with your career in lecturing and in the sports field as well and with your proposals. Thanks
3: very much, Thanks for joining me. Appreciate it
2: don't have to tell you this, do I? Gin is in. If you're out and about socialising, if you go shopping for a little tipple any week now, you'll understand there's been an explosion of gins and especially gins that are made here in Ireland. And it's really going great for all the people involved in what's termed a new industry. But I'm going to talk for the next while about a gin with a real difference. It's called Sixling Gin and one of the two people who've brought it to creation in this world of ours is with me today. Nicola Grills. you're very welcome to Late Thank Lunch. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. Now, before we get into the nuts and bolts of this and why it's unique and different. Was it, I know yourself and Tom were in London for, for a number of years. Was it there in that scene that turned your thoughts to this?
4: Yeah. That's exactly it. We were living in London. Um, I was teaching in London, and Tom was in finance. Um, but we were really passionate about gin and really into gin, and we would go to gin parties and visit distilleries and everything. So the passion was definitely there, and that coincided with both of us looking to change career. So we thought, what could we do together that we we're both interested in? Because obviously we'd have different interests as well, but we wanted something we we're both into. So. We were planning on moving home after we got married in 2014 anyway, and we thought that could really um, be a great thing to get into. And obviously it was just, it wasn't as big in Ireland just then. So it was starting to get bigger. So we thought that would be a brilliant one to do. And that's... That's how it started. That's how it all
2: began. Yeah. No, it's one thing attending these functions and tasting it and enjoying <laughs> it and seeing all of these things. But of course, then you need to understand the process and yeah. what's involved. How did you go about that?
4: So basically, we went to Amsterdam to learn how to distill. Um, there's a guy over there he's involved with, uh, I think, almost 50% of the premium craft gins in the US. Um, so we flew over there initially together and then Tom went back for kind of a master class, learned how to distill and then came home and basically refined refined the process, practiced, um, refined the recipe and worked on it. So what you are seeing in the bottle is the 22nd version of all the workings and tweakings and (laughs) 22 (laughs) 22. times before
2: you actually said. That's good enough.
4: Yeah. We wanted it to be in our eyes, you know, we wanted to feel it was perfect. And we wanted to be so proud to stand over it. And that's exactly w- what we have. So we didn't want to put out anything that we thought it's good. We wanted it to be amazing. Yes, yeah. you're
2: going to be the definition, you know, the sixling in the dictionary, if at first you don't <laughs> succeed, keep going, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> <Exactly. And> 22 <laughs> times. So happy you are when you arrive at that stage. And that does take time. Yeah,
4: But right, you you you
2: have what you want in terms of product. But then you have the issue of producing it, Mm -hmm. bottling it, distributing it, you know, all that type of stuff. That's new to you too. Yeah,
4: it is. Yeah, very much so. And it's a learning curve, a massive learning curve. And we're still obviously learning all of that, but we're just... Um, you know, we're doing our research, we're we're getting it distilled in the old harp brewery now in Dundalk, which is a lovely local connection. Oh, what a bit um, of history you've <laughs> tapped into yeah. there. Clever, clever. <laughs> so that's really good. And yeah, I suppose just taking our time, researching, not rushing it, trying to get it right, um, building up contacts. You know, we've already we'll be a year trading in August, so we're constantly developing and building relationships. Um yeah, and like you can't you can't know it all straight away, We'd never pretend that we do. So we're just trying to do our best and keep moving forward and keep Mm. building connections and relationships the whole time.
2: So you're based between home and uh, the Harp, the old Harp building there as well. Your own place would be a huge investment. Exactly. mm. Yeah. So,
4: I mean, it just wasn't feasible. We wanted to get the product to the market. um, But I suppose what we always differentiate when we say that to people is that we didn't just go to a distillery and say, look, can you make us a gin and can you give us a brand? It was not that. We, as I said, spent months, we flew to Amsterdam a couple of times, we learned how to distill and then spent the time on the recipe and likewise with the branding it's so competitive, we needed our bottle and our brand to really pop and you know be wow on the shelf, be eye catching mm. um, and I think we, d- we did that. We went to a really good branding agency in Cork actually, where I'm from And they helped us to create that. So there's a lot of time and effort gone into it, even though we don't have our own distillery.
2: Sixling, I'm curious. Tell me about the name.
4: (laughs) So the name comes from the fact that we get our cloudberries uh, from Sweden and the locals in Sweden need to know. They're very delicate. So the locals in Sweden need to know when the time is just right to pick them. So they need to have an inkling or a sixth sense. That's Sixling. (laughs) I just put them together.
2: Ah, oh, I was up there scratching my head all morning, say <laughs> trying to associate something with yeah. you. But that—that—that's quite a logic, and it ties in with where yeah. you, uh, your core. If I could say that these cloudberries—they're a huge factor in this particular yeah, gin exactly. that distinguishes you from yeah. others as well. Absolutely. They did grow in Ireland, didn't they they? did not they? Yeah. The stage.
4: Well, like that. The, it is such a competitive market, but there's a lot of gins that are kind of just using locally sourced ingredients, and I suppose we felt that. Over the time that we were developing it, it just wasn't going to cut cut it anymore. That we needed something different, and the cloudberry is so unique. There's no other Irish gin in on the market that's using it. Mm. And then we love that connection with Ireland. The fact that back in the 1800s they were abundant, um, and the climate actually changed in Ireland. Believe it or not, it got warmer, um, and they're almost extinct now. So we we import them from Sweden, um, and we're giving people a chance to kind of rediscover that that beautiful forgotten flavour of ancient Ireland.
2: And it is cloudy, is it? Is there a cloud or clear the product itself? Origin is completely
4: clear. Completely clear. Yeah, that's just the name. I think in Sweden, I think it's Multa. That's Ah, the the Swedish name. Like The Scandinavian people would be familiar with the berry, but no, it's completely clear. Nothing to
2: do. It's a complete clear gin like any other. Yeah. Eight botanicals. You're not going to tell me about all of those. (laughs) Ten,
4: (laughs) ten. yeah. Uh, There's there's Cooley Mountain Elderflower. There is that. All right. We have have the cloudberry, obviously. And then we have cassia bark. And yeah, we have a few other ones in there as well.
2: Don't give them. (laughs) You're not going to give them (laughs) anyway, because that's your (laughs) own particular uh, recipe. Exactly. Um, it's a bit of a change. I come back to this again from you and the teaching and finance for Tom as well. Tom's at this full time now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and you plan to be there full time. You hope soon, is it? I yes? hope so.
4: Yeah. Well, I'm on maternity leave at the moment, so I'm just kind of doing. I've done a couple of events like we were at bloom and various other events like that and i've done a few other like big meetings and a few radio things but hopefully i'm going back full time come the end of august yeah
2: what about the gold medal come on yeah? you have to tell us about <laughs> that this was some boost for you yeah
4: it was it was brilliant that was the global gin masters we won gold in the contemporary category of gin so we were thrilled with that yeah it was a big boost so
2: that endorsement in itself is a is a very positive thing for yourself yeah. you you're stocked. i know in a lot of places in Dundalk and in the the north-east as well. Where do you see this going? Nationally, internationally, where?
4: Exactly. Well, I suppose long-term, our goal is to be a a very strong family-run business. We'd love to employ local people in Dundalk down the line. We have two small girls that we'd love to give them the opportunity if they wanted to when the the time was right. Um, And it's export as well. Yeah, we definitely want to export internationally as well as maintain a really strong presence in Ireland.
2: And are you ready for that? Because you know yourself, the scalability here we're talking about, you're at a, a level at the moment, but with, with that type of aim, you really do have to up Scale production. Up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no,
4: we have set it up in a way, obviously not initially. So say the first couple of months, we were literally sticking on labels in the kitchen ourselves. Um, but no, we want to We want to have a business that we can, um, obviously, while it'll always be based in Dundalk employing local people, we wanted it to be scalable and we have this the setup in place now that we could take and fulfil big orders quite quickly.
2: It's a crowded space now, getting more crowded. Like, you know, you mentioned back in 2014, even to today, which is just yeah. five years yeah. on, you see what has yeah. happened yeah. Uh, all over, but it is more widely available and more people know that this is a product they need to have as well. Do you believe you have enough to set you apart?
4: I do, 100%. I definitely do. I do think there's going to be a lot of gins fall away, um, that there's just nothing particularly exceptional about them. But I think the fact that we have such a unique um, mix and blend of flavours and nobody using the cloudberry, it really piques people's interest and their curiosity. And the compliments and comments on the branding and the bottle when we're in front of people is unbelievable. So I definitely think it's strong enough to hold its own and more.
2: Have you thought about, and I know I'm jumping on a bit and down the road, and you have uh, great ideas for yourselves and your children as well, spin-offs from this or different yeah, versions or things 100%, like that?
4: Yeah, that's why we, we always had that plan that we were going to add um, additional spirits. That's why we actually um, kept grilled spirits on the bottle. So that that would be like our company, our parent name, and then all our other spirits in time, um, would fall under that so that you know just like sometimes with brands if they they have their name sixling and then they were to launch a completely new product people might you know it's almost like they're starting from scratch so we were careful not to do that so we have the grilled spirits would be recognizable and then we can add additional products then so no we've loads of exciting plans and ideas so lots to come
2: What's the best way to drink gin? They say put it in a glass and swallow it. I understand that. <laughs> but do you add anything to it? Is ice good in it? Yeah. What do you add to it? Well, obviously it? You- the
4: best way is to get sixling gin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course. Of course. Didn't, didn't I expect <laughs> you to say that? We recommend our signature serve would be um, obviously sixling, plenty of ice. We uh, would recommend the original Fever Tree Tonic, um, We would use a slice of grapefruit because we actually use grapefruit as one of our botanicals. And we'd use one blackberry, one raspberry because they're from the same family as the cloudberry, which is the rubus family. So they complement it really nicely. And that is just delicious. (laughs)
2: <laughs> you heard it first today. There's no better way to take it than uh, has just been described. It's an exciting departure for yourself and yeah. Tom, isn't it, in yeah. terms of career and your own business as Absolutely. well, to become your own. Yeah,
4: become your own boss, exactly. But the yeah. first, <laughs> the first There's an excitement <laughs> there in is,
2: yeah. is there a worry in it as well? Or, you yeah. know, do you, to think that are we going to make this happen? Now you've made a fantastic start in the first year, haven't you? Well I
4: think we try and look at it, it's not are we going to make this happen, it's how we're going to make it happen. So rather than worrying, what if this you will always get knockbacks, setbacks you know, mini failures if you want to call it that, but it's about finding a way around that or you know, constantly looking to problem solve and to move forward. So for us it's not a case of will this work, it's just how do we make it work and how do we continue to grow it? Um, And you're right, we've gotten off to an amazing start and that does give you a big boost and it gives you motivation so if you're having a tough day you can think no look when we're in front of customers the feedback is incredible and it you know it helps you to keep going basically
2: You get a great kick and if you're out and about and you see it.
4: Oh yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Or you're
2: looking for it. Yeah, they're saying, Why haven't you got it? What's going on here? Yeah.
4: Or someone, you know, a complete stranger tagging you in a photo or, you know, tagging you on Instagram saying it's amazing. You do, you get it because you know the hard work and the the investment and time and effort and everything that's gone into it. So it is, yeah, it's a really nice feeling to to see that come back
2: relatively new kid on the block but watch this space sixling gin is the name and they are going places have you <laughs> as you've heard on late lunch this afternoon i wish you well and thank continued you. success thank and you. made the next year be even more successful than the last <laughs> and so on and so on to yourself and tom but for the moment nicola grills thank you for joining me on late lunch
4: thank you thanks a million jerry why did the chicken cross the road
2: to get to the other side
5: no apparently no, because <laughs> it was attached to a harness it's a new thing on Amazon. You can buy a harness for your chicken to walk it to make sure it gets loads of exercise. To walk,
2: walk it to the oven before you cook it. <laughs> Oh, they'll be after me now. All oh, the do-go does. Oh, hear what he said in the radio. Hoffman. See what he said in the radio about the chicken in the harness that he was walking to the oven before he cooked it.
5: But <laughs> well, seriously.
2: Get a life, will you? It's
5: now in the US, 1% of the population owns a chicken or some kind of fowl as a pet. So Amazon have come up with this harness that you attach to the hen and he can bring it for a walk or chicken.
2: You know, they 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 deserve Trump. So, they deserve national, Trump. They deserve him. <laughs> they deserve a president like that. That's all I'll say. What a ridiculous... Anything else? Have you anything else on the line of ridiculous? Amazon, Since you're you Googling can it. can buy
5: anything on Amazon. I'm telling you. Yes. Here's one for you, which actually does make sense. You know, uh, when you were recently on the beaches reading your book, Terry. Yeah. And you want to turn around and lie on your belly and it kind of gets awkward. You have to oh, kind of put the bed on your down and flat yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah, you're yeah, lying awkwardly yeah. and all that. Well, Amazon have a new chair being sold and it has a hole in the chair that your face can fit in and you can read the book on your belly.
2: <laughs> so you could have the book under the, the bed. On the,
5: yeah, on the at, at the
2: pool or on the beach mm. and you can turn on the leaves and your face is looking down through a hole. Yeah. I mm, suppose there's a little merit in that somewhere. I'd say that'll go, yeah. That'll probably go, yeah. That's, Think? that's
5: How are you going to get it, though, to Spain? (laughs)
2: <laughs> no, you'll have to rely on them yeah. over there yeah. buying them and having so many of those available. Imagine and then, rocking and then up the to German, Ryanair checking desk. The, then the Germans will be down with their towels at 3am instead of 5am and you won't get near those seats. You know what I'm talking mm. about? Well, they They're have still a little
5: that. slot now to post their little little <laughs> towels. Do, you, do the Germans
2: do that still on the holidays? Do they run down with the towels? They, were, they, they got a name ago,
5: for it, didn't, didn't they? they? Oh, I yeah. think it's everyone now. I Is think it? the Irish run down and then go back oh, to bed. Do you know
2: in. something? I wouldn't be bothered if I never... (laughs) There are some useless things, though, people buy. Yeah. Do you ever buy
5: something mad or useless? Yes.
2: Oh, yes. What is it called?
5: Instinct buying or something, isn't it?
2: I am an impulse buyer. Impulse. And I buy on colour and I really am. And I I do have to, like, I I could go mad at times. But I'll tell you, I Mm -hmm. bought a Mercedes.
5: Get you, flashy git.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, I thought it was flashy at the time. she's when I arrived home with it, Marion said, In the name of St. Christopher and heaven above, what's going on here? Sounds
5: lovely, though. I Why did. did it
2: sounded lovely until I was driving down the road about a fortnight later and I ran out of petrol. Oh. <laughs> You'd need a tanker with the bloody thing to keep it going. It was the greatest mistake I ever Why'd made. Why'd you buy
5: it? What attracted you? Oh, I don't know. It was
2: a lovely blue thing and it looked sporty and that. And I had a few bob at the time and I'd get it. Bad, bad decision. Really bad decision. It was, it would drink the fuel. You could nearly hear... Guzzling it as you were going along, I ran, out of, I ran out of fuel a few times with the bloody thing. But anyway, Do
5: you have your jerry and, can in the back.
2: God, yeah. Well, you need no, you need a trailer. You need actually a, a tow bar on it and a tank behind it that you could refill. It was that bad that Mercedes. And I said it uh, when we were talking to the people from Kings Court who were in us, the um, Mercedes dealers in Kings Court, and he actually. Was saying to me they named the model of the car and all it was horrendous it really was horrendous but anyway wasn't I lucky I put it I only had it a short time done deal up she goes got a call from a fella in Limerick met him in Portleash. gave me the cash <laughs>
5: Did he make back got home, the train home and
2: I not that I was celebrating under, <laughs> I don't know whether he got back to Limerick ever with it <laughs> I'm a decent man, I really am. But you look at all it's fair in love and war. Love anyway. And that was my experience. And I've, I, I I you know I've done mad things. I have done mad things and bought things that you know are no use and gadgets. Aren't I known as the gadget yep.
5: man. Yep. Me bread maker.
2: Bread. The slicer. The blitzer. <laughs>
5: <laughs> you need to have a carpet. Set.
2: I bought that joke that fries, you know, with, with no oil. You know that you only put a oh, spoon yeah, of yeah. oil in.
5: No good it's a tome in the house and it's
2: up there and <laughs> it still is no oil I wave going by it every time I see it <laughs> oh don't get me started on useless purchases Oh, I'm just a mug for them I really am anyway <laughs> we'll have, have you... to go
5: to your house one day and just have a big clear out
2: <laughs> what's the most useless thing you've ever bought if you care to share it with us we'd love to hear from you 086 1800 658 by WhatsApp or text or across social media my next guest on Late Lunch this afternoon looks a picture. And why wouldn't she when you're 20 years in this business? Yes, the fitness and looking after yourself business. She owns my studio in Navin. It's in the Mullaboy Industrial Estate. But listen to this. A lifelong healthy eating regime and exercising went out the window for Eva Bradley when she was monitored for a high-risk pregnancy on her twin baby girl's who are what, Eva? They're five now, aren't they?
6: Yeah, they'll be five in two weeks, Jerry. yeah. Welcome to Late Launch. Thanks very much it's for having me. It's great to see
2: you. And I do say, you look the picture of health. Let's go back to that time on the pregnancy with the twins. What happened? You were virtually hospitalised, is it true, for the entire pregnancy? Yeah,
6: yeah. I, the, the Chloe and Eva were a high-risk twin. So they were monoamniotic, which means that their umbilical cords were already entangled. So the bigger that they got... The tighter their umbil- umbilical cords got, so um, we, I basically had to spend most of my all of my pregnancy in the rotunda, so going from a lifestyle of exercising, eating what I wanted, sleeping well, completely flipped the coin completely turned over, and I was no longer in control, so I was on bed rest. I was handed toast and marmalade for my breakfast and cornflakes and yeah, completely not what I was used to. So it was a big change.
2: I love toast and marmalade. <laughs> I just want to say that. Yeah.
6: It is nice. <laughs>
2: it is nice. But I, I know what you're saying. It was yeah. a complete contrast and a turnaround for yeah. you and no exercise, no. sedentary, food. Yeah. The babies, thank God, they were born and yeah. everything 100%. Yeah.
6: That
2: was a big relief in itself when that happened for you. Yeah, absolutely. But This time there, there were subtle changes with you, yes.
6: Yeah, like I think any new mum, it's overwhelming becoming a mum or a dad. It's a massive change. And because Chloe and Ava were so prem as well, my time in the hospital, that was the start of my roller coaster. It just spiralled. I turned to coffee and galaxy bars as my crutch, my survival to to get through the days. And that, again, was totally out of character for me. Um, I would have two or three coffees, unknowns to me. So I wasn't even mindfully drinking them. So... You know, it it was just a point in my life where I knew I had to change this. This just wasn't good for me. It wasn't good for the girls. So going from, as I said, so in control. Yes, having my my time away and my nights out with my girlfriends and husband. But living an 80-20 lifestyle now was the other way around. And my quinoa and my salmon was on the back burner. And all I wanted was the coffee and the stimulants.
2: Did you put on the weight?
6: No, it didn't. You know, I think, you know, I just naturally have a slim build. But what actually happened to me, which I find is worse, was the low moods, irritable, not sleeping well, cloudy, just no mental clarity and to me again that wasn't me you know I always have a pep on my step and I love my job and everything obviously I wasn't working then but I just had no up and go you know and I knew I needed to just change this.
2: Do you see the way my preconception or my prejudice said to you when you start taking on board the sugar and the coffee shots and everything that the natural occurrence is that you will put on weight but here's a very interesting point Those other side effects are completely devastating and not physically visible to people.
6: Yeah. Yeah. And when you, you know, you you go on survival, it was survival mode. And to me, I just didn't have that drive to want to make a nice recipe or to have my breakfast. It was, you know, I'll have this cup of coffee now, but it just spiralled You'd feel good for, you know, maybe 20 minutes and then you'd need another rush. You know, obviously I did eat, you know, but they weren't the best food choices and I just needed to change that. You say you were overwhelmed. Is that the way you felt with the new babies and the way you were living and eating? And And I, I work with so many, like my client base would be mainly female and I work with so many young mums and you know, it's just a massive change. And what they might have done, no longer they feel they can do it because they're learning about feeding and they're reading books, how do I feed? And it just takes over, you know. So I just made the changes that I needed to make.
2: Yeah. So what did you do? Did it, did it come to a day when you said, ah, no more of this, yeah. you were in a, a mood or you were feeling low or something like that? Was that
6: it? Yeah, I just remember really, really clearly that my, my sister in law, she used to come down and help me with the girls. This when Alan had gone back to work and this particular day, um, Rachel wasn't with me. And I remember, you know, looking at Chloe and Ava, so vulnerable and so small. But I felt as vulnerable as them. And I just said, I'm no good to these girls. You know, I need to change this. So I went out and I made the basic of salad. But I just put in my greens and my tomatoes and my cucumbers. And from that first meal was the breakthrough I needed. It was like, right, that's it now. I no longer need that fix. I can do this. So I just started journaling, writing things down. When I was allowed to exercise again, just very basic. You know, to me, it was about getting all the external things right. My sleeping my water intake, gradually getting the food back, you know, and that's what happens, people, is they try and do everything together and it doesn't happen. They become overwhelmed again and then they think, oh, I didn't do that and then failure sets in, which is another thing that's not good, you know. So I literally just took each day and I just said, right, I'll get more greens, I'll get more water in today. My evening routine was better. You know, less time on the phone. And I just felt myself getting back to...
2: And did you go cold turkey with the marmalade and toast and the, and, and the bars you were mentioning? Did you just decide at that point to leave them or was it weaning off that as well?
6: Your body is an incre- incredible thing, Jerry. If you don't give it something, it won't look for something. Okay, and as hard, that might sound easy, but it's very true. And if you're giving your body foods that it's nourishing it, it won't look for stimulants. So if you're looking after the external triggers, like your stress, emotional upset, reward and boredom, if you're looking after them, you won't want to go for the Galaxy Bar.
2: Isn't that interesting now?
6: So eat well eat
2: nutritionally, eat good and that other craving, those cravings and other things disappear. You mentioned something there as well, the phone.
6: Yeah, yeah. Is that related
2: to all this as well? Yeah, like
6: I just find like, okay, my phone is a major part of my job. Your business. Yeah, it's my business. Um, But even when I hadn't gone back to work, you find you were just scrolling, you know, and you weren't even aware of what you were scrolling. And to me, I thought that that was my downtime, you know, when the girls had gone to bed. But it wasn't, you know, it was just, you know, aimlessly going through the phone. So that had to change.
2: You talk about exercise, eating, sleep, hydration. Will we be adding in that thing called this addiction to the phone yeah. as a major scourge and health issue in the years to come.
6: Yeah, absolutely. We will. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Come back to you and as well. So you reached the point and you said, I am getting back to where I want to be with my life and the way I'm living it as best and as healthy as I can. You started writing down. Is that what you said?
6: Yeah, yeah. You know, we need to be accountable for our actions and we might have the best intention when we wake up in the morning, you know, but something could be just thrown at you. Your child might have a tantrum, you can't find the car keys, whatever it is. And these short term emotions that you're feeling can ruin your initial atten- uh, um, initial want of what you want to do that morning. Okay,
2: It knocks you out of kilter. Your yeah. focus is... Gone. Yeah. Yeah. Plans for the day.
6: So you would have forgotten what you said I'm going to do today. Okay. So I just started writing it all down and focusing on what I wanted to do that day and then ticking it off.
2: And did you find that so beneficial to you is that did it start to make sense then by writing it down and keeping this diary so to speak each day did you find that as a massive help
6: yeah i just found it very rewarding that you'd look back over it and you did what you set out to do you know and whether it was to have the two litre bottle of water not have that coffee at 11 o'clock Get 20 minutes where it was no phone. And these were things I was just ticking off. And over a week then, you could have 21 things that you've ticked off that you hadn't done previous, even though you wanted to do it, but something happened.
2: So you found this of huge benefit. The result being this that I'm holding in my hand here. It's called My Fitness Journal. And on the bottom, it says wellness, fitness, nourish and balance. So you've now taken what you've learned and discovered and has been beneficial for yourself and you've put it into this book.
6: I have indeed, yeah. Yeah, I used to have maybe three separate journals. I could never find one where I could put everything in my day. So when I was allowed to go back to exercise, I used to have that one. And I'm quite old school. I know there's loads of apps where you can put it into your phone. But I just like to have pen to paper. I used to have another one where I'd write down my food or I'd scribble down recipes that I found. And then the third one, which I've only recently, you know, delved into, was all the mindfulness, you know, about my self care. So there were three journals that I had, and you know, I just wanted to have everything into the one. And I think I've I've got that now with the My Fitness Journal. It's
2: comprehensive, and it does cover all those areas. And it's just been published, and it's going to. Uh, even go further i, I 'm sure uh, following our chat today on the show and as you push this out there to people, um, so in other words, I buy this and I start completing it. I open it on on the first page there, yeah. and I start working my way right through this yeah and it 's yeah. there straightforward, simple to follow as well right. Eva bradley 's with me on late lunch, mm-hmm. and she 's bringing out this my fitness journal. Listen to this, cherry, oh my God, that woman is describing me totally. I'm getting that book. Aoife is so honest. It's so easy to slide down and so hard to get up. You're a great girl. That's a nice comment that's come in for you this afternoon. But there's somebody who's like, And I'm sure there are many more as well. So that leads us on nicely to emotional eating, right? We're talking about this. And an awful lot of people have issues with this. And the triggers. What are the triggers?
6: Well, the four most common triggers would be you've got stress Emotional upset, reward, and boredom. So, when you have these emotions, they're normally short term. Okay, stress can be on a different side. We could be in an environment at work where it's quite stressful, and look, we're at work eight, nine hours a day. So, that's a large part of our day where it's stress. But the other triggers like reward, boredom and emotional upset are normally short term emotions. So what happens is, is we start to feel this. So for an example, you've had a busy day at work or you're at home with the kids. It's the summer holidays. You've put them to bed. I'm now going to reward myself from this busy day and I'm going to have a glass of wine. Okay. Let's just change that situation. And I tell my clients all the time, why don't you reward yourself by running a nice long bath, putting in some bath salts, listening to music. You know, colouring has become so popular now. Knitting, whatever it is, but that you feel good from it. Because what happens is, is that when you have the glass of wine, you're only feeling good for a short time and then you might get the nibbles and the crisps and then what emotion do we feel after that it's guilt why did i have that and then it spirals again so when you have these emotional you know triggers it's about addressing them and finding a solution
2: listen to this jerry just come by whatsapp to us on the show is fantastic I do so well during the week and then eat and drink too much at the weekend. So by Monday, I'm so disappointed when I get on the scales and in bad form again. Yeah. That but describes it. It's yeah. a vicious circle, is yeah. it?
6: Well, um, you know, first thing I would say to you is remove the scales from the house. Okay. That's just so important because when we step up on the scales, it's measuring absolutely everything. Okay. So hair, water, muscle, skin, you name it. Okay. So, my advice for you so it's the weekend now is to try and, you know, do something different. That's the norm to you. At the moment, it's wine down. It's the bottle of wine. It's the takeaway. You know, go and make a fake away pizza. Okay, have the glass of wine, but we're not mindful anymore. You might look down at the floor and it's like, God, that bottle of wine is gone. And you weren't aware of any glass that you actually drank. So we're not mindful anymore when we do have the food like that. And then what happens is it just becomes a binge and the body has had that surge of sugar, the alcohol, the processed foods. So come Monday, you're like, you know, feeling the effects of this. Then you step up on the scales. It mightn't read what you want to read. So, it's just going to roller coaster again.
2: So, you need to break this. Okay, the day at work, the stress, you come home, oh, listen, relax, let's have the glass of wine. And it becomes then habit most days, then. And the crisps are there and the nuts and a bit of sweet stuff on that as well. And you're now in a a situation, you know, that is not good. So, that's the work one. The boredom, surely you can fill boredom with something. That's that's the easiest one. It should be to to kill, you know?
6: Yeah, absolutely. Boredom and reward kind of play together because, you know, we're, we're a nation of coming home and putting on, you know, whatever it might be on the telly, Love Island or something. And, you know, it's like, it's not good watching. Well, people might disagree with me out there, but I don't think it's good watching. So then you're, oh, let's put on the kettle. Let's have a biscuit. And then again, you know, you're you're filling in that boredom with the food, mm. with something that you think is going to make you feel good, but it's not.
2: And an emotional matter, and that you have to deal with. And as you say, that comes and goes when you when you yeah. hit with something like that. How do you? You mentioned running the bat, doing something as well. That stress from work, that work yeah. related stress, or that you know that boredom time as well. What what, what at nighttime if you're feeling a bit peckish, what should you do?
6: Well, you have to look at why am I feeling a bit peckish? Am I actually peckish or am I thirsty? So my my first advice is, is to go and get a glass of water and drink that first because you could be dehydrated. OK, then go and clean out your wardrobe or whatever it is. Do 10 minutes of something that's not food related and then look. Am I still hungry or is this just a habit that I've started to do? I know the kids are in bed, so I'm just going to have my little party. Or am I really hungry? So if you are really hungry, you obviously haven't eaten enough throughout your day. So you need to look at what your meals are like throughout the day. Did I skip my breakfast? Did I go from seven o'clock in the morning right through until lunchtime at half twelve? And then I had a toasted ham and cheese sandwich take the contents out of that sandwich and put it on a plate it's not an awful lot there so what happens is as the day is going on your body wants more food because you haven't had enough throughout the day Sleep Sleep is, is so important and again going back to having young kids like prime example last night quarter past three one of my little girls comes in and my alarm is going off at a quarter past five this morning So today with that broken sleep, I feel and I don't know whether it is my body or my mind telling me that I feel the coffee. So that lovely girl at reception was going to offer me a coffee and I was like, no, thanks. I'll have a cup of tea, you know, but normally when you have your your good sleep, you feel you don't need to be going to the stimulants. So it's all about your evening routine, you know, put down the phone, run a bath you know light a candle just be in a silent room you know have a conversation with your husband your wife your partner whatever it is but it's about just calm and the brain receptors that you get a good sleep
2: this book will do it this book will be a big help yes yes no will. doubt about it my fitness journal this is out at the moment. Is it available?
6: It's going to be available now in August. I okay, just, right. I wasn't happy with one of the paper, so i have just getting the paper changed. Okay, it and was, you're going to
2: run a print on this at yeah. that stage. How do people contact you or find out more about you?
6: Well, there's obviously the social media platforms. So my Instagram is for Bradley Wellbeing. Our My Studio and on Facebook it's Efor Bradley at My Studio or My Studio as well and I've got a full website which is MyStudio.ie and that's where the book will be available from Um, and yeah, that's... I've
2: thoroughly enjoyed (laughs) you I have to say I really have and you'll come back to me we need to talk more about this this is a very serious matter for an awful lot of people as well and I see it by the reaction on the messages we're getting here today it's been my pleasure. Thank you for joining me and thanks for giving us some real sound pointers.
6: Thanks for the opportunity. And good
2: luck with, the, with this as well, uh, the My Fitness Journal. For the moment, Eva Bradley, thanks a million. Friday afternoon, late lunch at this time. Yes, it's a look ahead, as always, to the weekend sport and the man to do it for us is, of course, Leon Blanche, communications manager with Boyle Sports. Let's begin, Leon, today with GAA and the Super 8s are underway.
1: Yeah, look, the super eights are underway, and of course Mead, and um, they just scraped over the line last week. And look, it's a good achievement, I think, getting into the super eights. However, looking at their group, Jerry, I think it's going to be quite difficult for Mead to try and get out of this. They face Donegal away from home in their first encounter, and they're really up against it. Donegal, to me, have been so impressive in terms of Ulster, and now going in to the super eights. Donegal are one to ten, Mead are fifteen to two, which is seven and a half to one. And the draw here is 14 to 14-1. As I said, mead they just scraped through to get into the Super 8s. But these next three games that they have, they're going to be very, very difficult indeed.
2: They're in the toughest group. And the other game there on Sunday is a biggie, Kerry against Mayo.
1: Oh, it's a huge game. Look, um, Kerry, I suppose, will be looking for a little bit of revenge. Uh, Mayo, of course, went down there in the league and gave Kerry a bit of a hiding. So Kerry will be looking at an improved performance. But what can you say about Mayo they just keep going, and these set of players—they've had so much heartache over the years. They're now into the Super Eights, having been knocked out, of course, in Connacht. But Mayo are available at seven to four. Kerry are eight to thirteen, and the draw here is eight to one. I think this is going to be a very exciting game of football, Jerry. I think there'll be plenty of goals and plenty of points on, some, on, on tomorrow night. Excuse me, we have Roscommon taking on Tyrone. Russ Common at home—a big price, four to one. Corona one to four and the draw is ten to one. And then of course the dubs, they take on Cork at home. You won't get rich back in Dublin. They're one to thirty three. Cork are ten to one and the draw is as big as thirty three to one. But just looking at it, Jerry, I think the value maybe over the weekend might just be a little bit of mayo at seven to four.
2: Yes, interesting times and uh, the Super 8s beginning this weekend and going on for the next few weeks. Really looking forward to it, I'm sure, all GAA fans. Now let's switch our attention to soccer and uh, starting again tomorrow, Saturday evening. Huge game in the League of Ireland, First Division for Drogheda against Longford.
1: Massive game, Jerry. I know you were there last week when uh, Drogheda were able to defeat Cove 4 2 And of course they leapfro- leapfrogged Longford. Up into second place, and Longford are now third, so it's a huge game. Longford at home, that's why they're slight favourites at 11 to 10. Drogheda available at 9 to 4, and the draw here is 12 to 5. Look, it's a tricky place to go, Longford. They do have a decent home record, and I think maybe Drogheda, I know we'd all love to see them win, but if they came away not getting beaten, it would be a decent result so even a draw at 12 to 5 wouldn't be that bad of a result for Drogheda to, um, against Longford away from home
2: yes indeed and they've uh, met twice already and Longford hold the uh, the upper hand so perhaps tomorrow evening it'll turn in Drogheda's favor and the dog not in action this week in the league for obvious reasons they played Riga uh, during the week in the first round Champions League qualifier a disappointing game nil all they go to Riga now how do you rate their chances
1: yeah, look, Jerry. I suppose it is a little bit disappointing. You know, anytime you're at home in Europe, you want to try and win. But the only, well, not only, but I think it's a real positive that they kept a clean sheet. I mean, all that means is that if the Lily Whites can go over to Riga and score, it means Riga will need two. So it's not all lost. And I think looking at the match odds, Riga are 6-5, to five. Dundalk are twenty-one to ten, and the draw is also twenty-one to ten, so a little bit better than two to one. But I think very interesting indeed is to qualify, and Dundalk are only four to five, and Riga are ten to eleven. So there's not much between these two sides. Riga came to Dundalk; they were very defensively set up, and I think Riga at home they might leave Dundalk a bit more spaces for their creative players to get involved. So I'm keeping the faith, and I actually think Dundalk are good enough get through and make it onto the second qualifying round.
2: I agree with you. They're in a strong position, not having conceded, and just go there, get the score or draw, or in fact, perhaps even win with a little more space, as you say, and they're through to the second round. We watch with anticipation, and we'll have that game, of course, live here on LMFM Radio Midweek next week. Leon Blanche, Ball Sports Communication Manager, we'll talk to you again next Friday. Thanks a million.
1: Have a great weekend, Jerry. All the best.
2: Now, don't forget our Facebook competition on LMFM Radio, Dublin Meat Company. They have a new same-day delivery service seven days a week in Drogheda and the surrounding areas. It's free, free, free until the 14th of July, which is this weekend, when you order online at DublinMeatCompany.com. And we have a great giveaway running on our Facebook page. It'll finish up today. Get over there and check it out. And the best of luck to you on that. And just reminding you, we spoke about it on Late Lunch this week, the new Boyne Racing Horse Racing Festival. Saturday, tomorrow, it's Nava and then on Sunday Ferry House massive family day going on there and Sunday on the Brownstown Stakes is the big race there and everybody welcome to come along and in Cooley up north loud as well this weekend they have the uh, Convoy to Cooley Truck Show and Country Music Festival at Cooley Kickham's the 13th and 14th tomorrow and Sunday all the big names in country music like Nathan Carter, Robert Mizell, Cleona Hagen, etc. And the proceeds go to the Maria Garetti Respite Centre, the Head Injury Centre in Urie and Cooley Kickhams. And the tickets are on sale now at Convoy.com. cooley.ie I did mention in passing did you ever buy anything useless like that uh, Mercedes, let me say Mercedes today, oh they're fantastic cars and they're economical as well, just the model I had was unbelievable at guzzling the juice Uh, Jerry, the most useless thing I ever bought was this contraption with tentacle-like things it was meant to massage your head uh, yeah i think i have a recollection of that somewhere in my mind it looks Useless. like stan oh stan with the hair <laughs> <artist Lauren> hardy <laughs> in lauren <and> hardy <laughs> Except this was a contraption louise here's another one i once ran out of ideas for a birthday present, so i bought my husband a piece of the moon it came with a certificate hmm. <laughs> trying to tell him something. are you really that gullible
5: Actually, hang on, I have looked up internet Now, yeah. I don't know how true this is, let's just say. But it says here in 1967, the US and the Soviet Union negotiated the Outer Space Treaty, which states that no nation can own a piece of the moon or an asteroid. But anyone can buy a deed to land on the moon. There you go.
2: Ah, you've just given me food for thought. There are people I'd like to buy that deed for. Anonymous I And measures. propose them for the next moon trip one way. Will I start naming names? Did I press the button today? I did. (laughs) I'd have to press it again, (laughs) Louise, if I started naming names. Postman will be busy on Monday. You may not know who you are. Oh, stop. (sighs) We don't want any of those letters. No, 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 no. Thanks Thanks for your comments on that little trivia on late lunch this afternoon. Did you know this, folks? The Boyne Valley, it's twinning with Boyne City in the United States of America. Find out more next. Did you know there's a Boyne City in Michigan in the United States of America? And of course, we live in the Boyne Valley here, or in and around it, in the LMFM catchment area. I'm joined on the line by Michael Hughes, he's chairperson of Trim Tourism Network. And there's a twinning happening, a unique one, Michael. Tell me more about it. How did it happen?
7: Hi Jerry. how are you doing? Uh, well, it, it started, the initiative started um, just almost four years ago now, where, where Jerry Mead started uh, from Avondale, um who, who does a bit, as you know, in the chronicle, on, on, on the food uh, thing in the Boyne Valley, um, what they call it, um, made initial contact with, with the group coming from Michigan. And they came over here last year and they were performing in Christchurch and we invited them down to, to, to perform for us down in Trim. Um, and that started the catalyst for the return visit, and as and we got talking, and we had we researched Vine City, and and there was a, an Irishman, John Miller, uh, during the potato famine uh, times that moved west from 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 New York. He was originally from the Vine Valley here in Ireland and uh, and founded Boyne City and renamed the river, Pine River, the the Boyne River over there. So the Boyne Falls, Boyne Mountain, Boyne City and uh, even Beaver Island, which is just right beside it, is, uh, We're speaking fluent Irish up to the 1920s. It's a story in its own there, people from uh, Aaron, Aaron More up to South Donegal that went out there. So, I mean, there's a massive Irish contingent. It's, they have a beautiful Boyne Valley out there. They're fascinated with our Boyne Valley. And uh, they, they also happen to have a Children of the World and Harmony Festival where they get groups, of school uh, um, uh, groups from around the, from, from around the world to come over and perform. And Gluish from Trim happened to be one of the best groups we have in the Boyne Valley and we're bringing them along with us. We're going out there to perform and they're performing in Boyne City, Michigan, Chabogan up the road, Petrowski and several, several venues. And also in Chicago, when we land there, we're going down to the Gaelic Park in, in Chicago to perform there on the last night. It's, it's just going to be fantastic uh, uh, and it's got great backing. The whole thing has got great backing
2: when are you heading off we're
7: heading off officially we're, we're, we're flying out at half past ten on Sunday morning we're having a, a, a kind of an official going away where we, we have an official departure at 12 o'clock tomorrow outside Trim Castle. we're inviting everyone down to that uh, and uh, everybody's fiercely excited about it now there's, there's, there's 49 of us travelling
2: oh terrific and uh, for these children and young people going out there to represent the Boyne Valley it must be a particular thrill you're also bringing out a couple of gifts which is special gifts
7: Oh, there's not... Well, we're bringing in all kinds of gifts. We have a... Well, first of all, we have a beautiful twinning... Um, uh, uh, parchments done up uh, by, by 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 Excel printed done down there done a beautiful job in it there which Harry me together to produce this beautiful thing that we, we have great signatories on it there um, Brendan Griffin and Dan Mulhall the Irish Ambassador to America and Joseph Madigans on there and Damien I mean, English we have a lot of dignitaries signed from our side and of course from 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 the American side as well and that and a beautiful engraving um, and we're going to be, we're, we've got several gifts and we're bringing yeah. old French out there he's wrote as you know a lot of books about the Boyne Valley, and he's been invited to speak at, at the library in Boyne City uh, in, in a specially commissioned uh, um, uh, reception for, for him and, and his books, and that's uh, uh, on one, one of the evenings when we're out there. So we have a lot, a lot of stuff happening. A out there. lot
2: going on. Have to leave it there, Michael. Wish you all well. Safe trip and come Thank back very again. Much, Gary, Thank thanks for you. It. Thanks yes. indeed. Bye bye. Bye bye. They are the gift that keeps on giving, Mr. Noel French. Yes, going out there on the delegation, and we wish them well. That's a lot on late lunch for another week. Thanks. Indeed, to all our guests who joined us through the week, to our regulars, but especially you, our listeners, who tune in every afternoon. We really do appreciate your company. To my producer, Louise Walsh. Thanks a million, Louise. Could not do this without her, that's for sure. And look, have a nice weekend. The weather forecast is good. Enjoy yourselves, stay safe, and do come back and join us for a brand new week of late lunch on Monday at half past one. But we leave you today in the company of Frida Payne and Band of Gold. See you Monday.